First Timothy chapter four. It is, it is a blessing and an honor to be here. I do not take lightly the position of filling pulpit, um, especially with as well as Pastor knows me. The fact that he still trusts me behind the pulpit, I don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> but it is, it is a blessing to be here to see what the Lord is doing here, to see the the young people growing up and. Moving on with life, uh, changing every day. I, I have to chuckle at Jerry because he looks older than I do. <laughs> yeah, I, what's what's up with all my teen guys? All my teen guys all grew facial hair. I think it's I think it's a slant against me because they know I can't grow any. <clears throat> it's, it used to bother me that I couldn't grow facial hair, but it's nice to shave twice a week. <laughs> so, do you know the difference between a northern pastor and a southern pastor? I was reminded of this this morning. A southern pastor lets everybody amen him. A northern pastor has to amen himself. <laughs> Forgot how quiet it is in the north when, I, when you're preaching. Come on! Uh, we, a lot of the meetings that we have end up being in the south. Uh, the Courier's guys, Don, Ken, my dad, have traveled extensively in the north. And, and so to make it easier for me scheduling meetings, we've done a lot of traveling in the south. And so I've got a lot of supporting churches in Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Texas. And it's, it's a different animal. Let me, let me tell you, it is completely different uh, as we travel around being in the different states. And so I, I, get, I get back up, up north and I'll preach a message and Heather will be like, did you say something to offend everybody? I'm like, nope, honey, we're just back up north again. We're just back up north again. So as Pastor Brennanstall says back up at Wildwood, if, if I say something good, can I at least get a holy head nod? You know, just to get a good, yeah, there we go. All right, there, there we go. So uh, don't, don't want to put you too far out of your comfort zone and make you say amen or actually wave a hanky. That would be... Can't do that up north. <laughs> so it, it actually, it is funny though. Um, at Wildwood, we have timpanis, which is a style of drum on the platform. And if you were to put timpanis or any kind of a drum on the platform in the south, I mean, you are liberal and absolutely no. And then we're in a church and they've got an electric bass guitar plugged in up on the platform. I'm like, and you give us a hard time about the drums. Come on. And so it, it is, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of it is what you're used to, what, what you're used to. And so does anybody have any questions about, I know you guys are familiar with our family. I know you're familiar with the Courier's ministry, but there's a lot has changed. Um, and I don't want to neglect the opportunity. If anybody has any questions uh, about our family or about the Courier's ministry before we get into the message, I know I kind of sprung that on you and you're not thinking. You were ju you were just shutting your brain off so that you could pretend like you were listening and you weren't actually thinking. Does anybody have any questions, Pastor? I've got one. Uh, I know that when when the ministry started uh, years ago, it started a lot of it had to do with smuggling, with mm -hmm. getting getting them into areas that were prohibited, and then it kind of kind of tapered off for a while, and now it seems to be coming back again. How, how many different countries, and I know you, you got to be careful with what you say, but uh, is, it, is it starting to surge back up again? And is part of that reason because 
the word of God is being prohibited in some countries that it wasn't before? Um, some of it is, is the fact that it's being prohibited, but some of it is just the opportunity. The, the courier's focus has always been Eastern Europe, and Eastern Europe has opened up considerably. Uh, but we are beginning to see things close back down. Uh, the Christians were over in Belarus, but they had to be over there in a very creative method. You couldn't just be as an open missionary. That You had to have another reason to be in the country. Russia itself has been extremely closed. There, I know missionaries. Uh, there's actually a missionary friend of mine that I met recently that was supposed to be leaving to go to Russia uh, this month. And obviously that's on hold right now. Um, but there are ways to get into Russia, but Russia is extremely difficult to get into. Romania has talked about closing things down a little bit. Uh, Estonia has said, we're not kicking any missionaries out, but they've said we don't want any new missionaries you, to come here. They, they used to allow people to come as a missionary, and they have said, we've got enough religion, we don't want any new missionaries. And so we are seeing some things close back down, um, but then we're, we're seeing some... Bible institutes, Bible colleges, university type things at, at a at a college level in the Christian in some of the churches and stuff that some of the missionaries that we work with have gotten involved in, and it has attracted nationals from other countries, and and even even outside of that, it's easier for other nationalities to get into some of these countries where Americans cannot get into. And so because of that, we, it's been through our connections in Eastern Europe that people have asked us, would you help us with this place or with this place? And when, when we first got those requests, we, we said, no, our, our focus is Eastern Europe. And, and there's still a lot that can be done in Eastern Europe. Um, but at this point, there's not a lot of other ministries. You've got Bearing Fresh Seed that does the bulk of the printing for a lot of these countries. Um, but they don't always have the means and the wherewithal to be able to get some, especially the smuggling side of things. And that was one of the discussions one of the missionaries had with the couriers, the older couriers guys is, hey, you guys have experience with this, lend us your knowledge. And so we've been able to come in and say, Here, here's what we have done in years past and make different connections and try and help in some of those areas. And so um, a lot of the areas that we're getting stuff into are areas that were already closed. Um, but... The word of God is spreading. As much as the world is fighting against it, don't, don't believe the, that Muslim is the fastest growing religion. Don't believe it. Um, they, they say that it is, but if i talking to uh, missionaries that are in Muslim-speaking countries, uh, there are people rapidly leaving the Muslim faith, and there's a lot of people being, being killed because of it. They are... They, they torture and persecute those who leave the Muslim faith and they try to keep it quiet. But you are seeing an interest in the Word of God. Some of that goes to, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Brother Eric Dameron and Gene Sharp. Uh, there's another guy that works with the ministry, but they do these Christian radio stations. They put up radio towers in various countries and they'll get on the borders of a lot of these closed countries and broadcast Christian radio into these countries and it is turning, drawing the interest of formerly a lot, a lot of them formerly Muslim, some formerly communist countries, and people are leaving to get education in other countries. And as they get the education, 
they realize that they are their, they are the best chance that their country has, and they're trying to get back into the countries that they have left to get the gospel to those that are behind, but then they need the word of God, they, they, they need resources. And so uh, we have begun to help in some of those facets and areas. Our focus still is Europe, but we've been looking at some of those and seeing what the Lord, where the Lord will take us. So that's, that's why we've been there. Any other good question? Any other questions? Perfect. You guys know it all. Uh, when, I, when I first joined the Careers for Christ ministry, Pastor King, I was working with Pastor King, and he's like, so do you have any questions for me? I'm like, honestly, I'm too dumb right now to know what questions I'm supposed to ask. So you tell me what I'm supposed to know, and I'll come up with questions later. Uh, but that's, that, that's how it is in life sometimes. T tonight, we're going to be in 1 Timothy 4. We're going to kind of bounce around a little bit in a couple of different passages of Scripture. Um, this, is, this is a typical Brother Ingalls message. Have fun with the notes. <clears throat> there, there will be points in there somewhere. You just have to dig deep to find them. Uh, I, I want to just kind of, kind of share share my heart, share uh, my my experience in ministry. You guys know me. A lot of my experience in ministry has been here. Uh, I had experience before I came, but then the bulk of my experience was the time that I spent here, and then traveling around in various areas and uh, working with other pastors, other missionaries. the 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 title I have for the message tonight is the Spirit of Service. The Spirit of Service, and and service is. It's kind of a funny thing. We want you to get involved in the church. We want you to serve. But if you think of that term serve, what does that conjure in your mind? What does that make you think of? It's okay, you can talk. I feel like I'm teen class again. Brother Smith? Work. Work. Okay, work. What else? I'm serving. What's that? Okay, tables, uh, be, being a waiter or a waitress. Uh, serve, service, servant. Uh, does that sound like a leadership role? <laughs> but when we ask you to serve in the church, what are we asking you to do? We're asking you to lead. You know, it's uh, the, the song, We're Following the Leader, Following the Leader. Um, we're, we're leading, but you're, you're, you're serving, you're, you're directing, but you're also following, you're, you're also leading. And, it, and it's, you know, it, it, as you get into, and that's part of the reason why the, the world doesn't understand the thinking of Christians. If, if, if I am going to be a leader then I'm going to be the boss and I'm going to sit on my throne, on my whatever, and I'm going to command my people behind me and I'm just going to lay out everything that I want you to do and I'm, I'm the overseer. But if you read through scriptures, that is not, that is not at all the biblical picture of leadership. I mean, you've got, you've got Moses You've got, you've got Joseph, and then, of course, you've got Christ himself, and there is some commanding that is done. But then Jesus is down washing his disciples' feet. He's, he's serving those that are following him. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12 
says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Leadership isn't about pushing people where you want them to go. It's about leading them in the direction that you want them to go. Uh, Gandhi made the statement, be the change you want to see in the world. If you don't like the direction that things are going, go a different direction. Uh, it, but, but we, just like it says here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, I mean, it, it's, it's talking to Timothy. Be thou an example. Don't let people despise your position. And I mean, this one is, is talking about the youth, but can I say to the, to the older generation, don't let people despise your old age either. We're, we're coming up on a, on a generation that has zero respect for the, for the adults, for the elderly, for, for the, what the Bible gives a lot of respect to, the, the hoary head. Don't, don't be ashamed of the, of the hoary head, the, the, the frost, as Pastor King says, the Q-tips in the church. Uh, you earn those gray hairs. Uh, it, that comes from stress and trial and experience. And, and oftentimes the young people tend to push the older people aside because while they just, they're, they're disconnected. Well, okay, so they don't know how to take a selfie. But they know a whole lot more about life than just taking selfies. Uh, you know, it's, we can't allow people to despise our position, but if we don't want people to despise our position, then we have to follow the rest of the verse, and that is, be thou an example of the believer. We, we have to be an example of what it is that we're trying to accomplish in those around us. If, so if, if you want, whether you're in charge or not, if you want people to follow you, you need to lead. I mean, it just, wow, that's... Brother Ings, I appreciate you coming here and saying that tonight. It's just so deep. I, I appreciate your deep words of wisdom. That's, that's me. I'm a real deep guy. Um, you, you, you have to lead. How do you lead? You find what's right, and you do it no matter what anybody else is doing. But that, but that puts a lot of pressure on you. Because that means that you have to what? Know that you're actually right. Because nobody wants to follow an idiot. And if you think you're right, but you're not, <laughs> people don't want to follow you. And, and the other problem with that is, if, if I'm leading people, that means that people are looking at my life, and they're going to judge my actions and motives. And we don't like that. We, we don't like being judged. But you want to know what? You judge people every single day instantaneous you you see someone and you make an instantaneous judgment based upon how they're dressed based upon how they do their hair based upon the lack of them doing their hair based upon their smell based upon what's in their teeth based upon the vehicle that they drive based upon the job that they have we're always making instantaneous judgments you're going to be judged whether you try to lead or not so you might as well be judged on the right that you do and are you going to receive criticism <laughs> Absolutely. 
If, if you're not being criticized, you're not doing something right. Uh, it's just, it, it's a fact of life. And so we need to be willing, we need to be willing to put ourselves out there. Being a leader is a very uncomfortable position. Uh, believe it or not, I hate being the leader. I hate being in charge. I, I, always, I like the assistant position. Uh, pastor, tell me what you want me to do. I will more than gladly do it. And then he'd be like, hey, we've got a problem. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's coming your way. <laughs> and then he got wise and he'd be like, nah, that's dealing with the teens. That's your problem now. You've got to deal with that. But I, I, I'm, I don't like being the leadership position. But that's what I do a lot. I, I end up taking the position of leadership because it needs to be done. Does that mean that I'm the leader all the time? No. I need to be willing to subjugate myself to other people. And, and there's a balance in that, in that leadership. As, as we're serving others, you have to remember, I'm a leader. I have to be the example that I want others to be. But because I'm a Christian, I'm also a servant. And I have to remember why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so oftentimes in ministry, I, I see people fail because they lose the spirit of service. Well, I'm, I'm leading them. Don't they know that I'm trying to do what's best for them? No, sometimes they don't know that. Sometimes they don't. And we need to realize we're there to help them along the way. Nobody wants to follow a jerk either. I mean, if you've worked in the world, if you've worked a secular job, every one of us has had that boss. He's great at what he does, but man, I hate working for him. I, there was a guy that I worked with in high school, nicest guy you would ever meet until you got on the job site with him. Worst boss I ever had. And... You, you don't like being in that position. And so, and so if, if we're going to serve, if we're going to lead, we have to have a servant's heart. We have to have a servant's attitude. And we have to remember that it's the people that we're serving. And, and we, can't, we can't get... Do people do dumb things? Every day. Do you do dumb things? More often than we want to admit. Are you thankful when people are forgiving and gracious to you? Shouldn't we be gracious and forgiving of others? Yeah, but you don't know this person. You don't know how many... It doesn't matter. It's what is our goal? What, what are you going to accomplish by yelling at them and chewing them out? Usually very little. Pastor and I were talking about it this afternoon. When, when, when I came on as staff, it's actually kind of, I don't know what you were thinking. Um, I was young. I was, Aaron Beam is as old as I was when I left after being here for nine years. Uh, I was young. I was inexperienced. I remember butting heads with Mr. Miller. I remember butting heads with Mr. Corey. I remember butting heads with Pastor. I remember butting heads with David and Karen. I, I remember butting heads with the Briars from time to time. I mean, it just, I was dumb. I was young. I had things that I needed to learn. But you want to know what? 
I think the briars still like me. As far as I can tell, Mr. Briar's kind of hard to read sometimes. I, I, I think Brother Miller still, I mean, Mrs. Miller gave me a hug, and so I, I think I'm okay. But there, there's, going, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be conflict. But the great part about service is, hey, we're going to butt heads. We're not going to see eye to eye on it. But we're New Yorkers. We're, we're, I'm a Wisconsinite. We're, we're going we're gonna to let our feelings be known. We're going to hash it out. We're going to work through it. And we're going to come out on the other side. And we're going to continue to be working towards the same goal. And so we, we need to have, we need to, we need to be willing to be the example. And so as, as we're leading, as we're leading, we, we have to exude, you, you, you have to do what it is that you want others to do. How, how many of you have ever heard the saying, don't do as I do, do as I say? Or don't do as I say, do as I do? I mean, it's, it's used both ways. But our actions speak louder than our words. You can, you can tell a child over and over and over, don't do this, 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 don't do this. But if you do it, guess what? They're probably going to do it too. It's, it's just, we, we have to be a proper example. Uh, turn over, if you would, to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, we're going to look at verse number 17. As, as Christians, we are supposed to be the example. We're, we're supposed to be seeking others out to help guide them and lead them. And, and it's interesting, Mark chapter 1, verse number 17, this is one of the side-by-side the, uh, -side passages of the verse that we read this morning. Mark chapter 1, verse number 17. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. There's a lot that's said in that passage. You know, he's, he's asking people to follow him. Come ye after me. Follow me is what it says in Matthew. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The, it, the Bible also says, Be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. One of, one of the things that I have appreciated about Freedom Baptist Church on the whole, but that is a lacking in a lot of other places, is discipleship. We, the, the ABCs of Christian Growth class is a really good series. And some of the classes, I, I know from past years, some of the classes, you spend more time talking about fringe topics that come up in the course of what's being discussed as you do about the actual topic that's being discussed. But, but it gives a good foundation for the Christian life. But like I was talking about this morning, it's, it's the relationships that we build. It's the one-on-one -on -one time that you have with people that encourages them to do right and to stay close. I mean, if, if you talk to kids that, that, that were bus, quote-unquote bus kids that turned out for Christ, most often there was somebody in the church that took them under their wing. They, they, they didn't just bring them to church and hope that the Word of God soaked in as they were sitting there being poured over with Scripture. No, they brought them to their homes. They had meals with them. They discussed the things that were going on. They, they spent one-on-one -on -one time with them. That, that investment, that time investment is so valuable. 
And so Christ is coming to the disciples saying, hey, I want you to follow me. We should be looking around, inviting people to church, and then once they get saved, they say, hey, come with me. Follow me. Be followers of me as I am of Christ. But then he's, he's giving the, the offer. He's giving expectations. But then he's also telling them what he wants them to become. There, there's an expected end. Why am I working with you? Why? Because I want you to become fishers of men. I, I want you to be a better Christian. And so we need, to, we need to be that example, but we need to do it on a one-on-one basis. It's, it's, it's investing in people. We need to have that spirit of service. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. What's the end of your conversation? That's the results. That's the results. You can, you can talk a good talk, but what are the results in your life? Oh, there we go. Judging me again. You're right. You're right. You're going to be judged. People are going to look and they're going to say, what are the results in your life? And if you fall into sin and you fall away from God and then you try to restore yourself and you finally, you, you take the hard step, you get right, you begin to make right choices, don't be surprised when people are like, no, I don't want to follow you. Why? Because you fell into sin. Oh, they shouldn't be so judgmental. I mean, I know what pitfalls they have to watch out for. Yeah, you do. But you don't have a good success rate of actually avoiding those pitfalls. And so you're probably not the best example you know, if I'm learning how to drive a bus, I don't want to be with a guy that's had the most accidents. But he's got all kinds of experience. Yeah, I want the guy that has avoided the accidents because he knows how to avoid them. It, you know, and so, so we, we, have to be, we have to be the proper example. And, and again, understanding that, that people are going to judge us. People are going to, to question our motives. But again, the, the, the second thing, is it really helps to be likable. If you don't like being around you, there's not very many other people that are going to like being around you either. Just, and again, there, there's differences in personalities. Uh, you're not the same as me. I'm not the same as you. Uh, people say that uh, Corbin is a lot like me. But even Corbin and I are not the same. We, we have a similar sense of person of, of humor, uh, we both tend to be sarcastic. Uh, we both get our mouths, our mouths get us in trouble a lot. Um, but we're not the same person. We're, we're different people. As much as we are alike, as much as my dad and I are alike, we're different people. But you have to be likable. You, ha- you have to be pleasant to be around. It, 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 it really does help. And, and sitting around like your dog just died... And if your dog did die, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but if you look like that all the time, come on. It, it, it really doesn't hurt to smile. It, I know it seems like a painful thing. Uh, it does require more muscles to frown, they say, than to smile. Um, so maybe you're just exercising, I don't know. Um, but being, being happy, being pleasant 
Again, you, you don't have to be outgoing. Did you know I was, I, was, I was reading a thing, and the male brain, as it goes through the process of development, at about the age of 10, 11, 12, it sees all facial expression, with the exception of a smile, as being upset. I did not know that. But it actually explains a lot, because why do my teens always feel like I'm yelling at them? Because there's something, it's, and it was a huge scientific thing, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm not that smart, and so I don't remember all of the details of it. But it was just, it was interesting, the fact that the, that the male brain, at the age of about 10, 11, 12, unless you're actually smiling, they feel like you're upset with them. Because it looks like you're angry. So now when I talk to my boys, I'm like, guess what you get to do? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it helps, and some, some people just don't have a pleasant disposition. Uh, I think it was Mr. Miller that used to, used to say to the choir, smile when you sing. Look, look, like you actually, look like you actually enjoy being, look like you actually believe what you're singing. You know. And so it, it, it helps to be likable. It, it helps to be pleasant. Uh, know clearly what your expectations are. As you're serving or as you're trying to get other people involved, have clear expectations. Uh, the greatest, William White said, the greatest enemy of communication is the illusion of it. How many times have you been certain? I, I explained in detail what I wanted you to do. And they had no clue. I, I can remember Pastor Dunbar and I having conversations like that several times where he'd be like, all right, this is what I want you to do. And I'd be like, okay, so what I'm understanding you to say is, and I'd repeat back, he's like, no, that is, how did you get that out of what I just said? I'm like, I don't know, but that's what I heard. And, and we would actually have to, okay, this is what I heard you say. Is this what you actually said? Because it's, it's amazing what you hear based upon what your mindset is at the moment. If, 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 if you're thinking about if you're thinking about pizza, and I'm talking about something warm and moist, you're like, oh, that sounds great. But if you're thinking about like exercise and I'm talking about something warm and moist, you're like, oh, man, that stinks. I mean, it, it all depends upon your mindset. And you can, you can be talking about the exact same thing, but because of where, where some, someone was already thinking or something that just happened earlier in that day, you jumped in. You were already, you knew where you were headed. But you jumped in the middle of the train and took off, and they're trying to figure out where you are on the train, and even if they're on the same train as you are. And so it's important to have clear communication, and that's one of the things that I find myself doing when, when I preach a lot. I grew up in church. I assume that you guys all understand the same terminology that I do. And regularly, my wife is like, if people don't understand where you're coming from, I wouldn't want you preaching because I don't agree with what you said because this is what it sounded like you said. I'm like, that's not at all what I said. She's like, I know, I know what, that's not what you did say, but that's what it sounded like. Oh, okay, that's why she's not allowed to, that's why women are supposed to keep silence in the church. <laughs> yeah. now, I'm, now I'm in trouble. <laughs> so it's, it's, impo it's important to be clear in our communication and a lot, of, a lot of us have grown up with the Word of God. 
We, we use terminology all the time that the lost world does not understand. Man, I am so glad that I'm sanctified. Sancta what? What kind of coffee did you have this morning? They just, we use things, we say things that they just, they don't grasp, they don't understand, they don't get. The, the hardest age group for me to teach is kindergarten through fourth grade. Some people love that age group. It is so hard. I mean, again, I'm not a very smart guy. But it is so hard for me to, to talk at that level so that they actually understand what it is that we're saying. Because you want to know what? Most of us, most of us, not all of us, most of us left that line of thinking a long time ago. Hopefully. But we have to make things clear for them to be able to understand. And, and when we're dealing with the loss, we have to make it clear for them to understand. Understanding where they're coming from. Understanding. And that doesn't mean that you need to experience their sins with them. But you have to understand there, there are things that they are dealing with. There, there are backgrounds that they're coming from. There, there is terminologies that, that they use. If It's good to know what the lingo is. And I can't, I can't think of an example right now, but there have been times where I'm saying something and I keep on getting these funny looks. I'm like, what? <laughs> you don't realize what you're saying. Okay, I, actually, I just thought of one. So uh, a pastor's wife, I preached a message on do your duty. It's your responsibility. But duty can also mean something else. And like the whole time I'm preaching about doing your duty, she's giggling. And I know her really well. And it was distracting. And so understanding terminology, and, and if, if you're saying the same thing over and over again, and people keep laughing, and you're not trying to be funny, there's an indication that you need to understand what you're actually saying. And you need to take a break. And it, it's okay to ask questions. It's, it's okay. Pastor and I were talking this afternoon. You're always learning. Always learning. There, there are new things that we are learning every single day. Sometimes it's begrudgingly. The older I get, the less I like change. We, we don't, we don't want to see things change. And yet, the world is constantly changing. You're like, but the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. It's not supposed to change. <laughs> You're right. But it's always changing. It's always changing. The underlining theme, though, of service, being involved in the church, being our, our testimony that we talked about this morning, it's service, serving others. And that is the spirit that we need to keep. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 4. Philippians chapter 2. Verse number 4, we're going to read verses 4 through 8. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 4, it says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, 
and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We need to be willing to serve. Well, they, they offended me. They upset me. I, I'm not going to work with them because they... Why do you do what you do? Is it because you're looking for praise? Is it because you're looking for glory? Is it because you're looking for recognition? Or is it simply because you want to serve? I, th- that's my person. It's easier for me than it is for some people. That, that is my person. I like serving. I like helping people. That's just, that's who I am. But it's also the example that Christ gives us. I I understand that that it's easier for some than it is for others. But God wants us to be serving. And and, and if if you have a servant's heart and a servant's attitude, it doesn't matter how many times they offend you. It doesn't matter how much you dislike their personality. You're not doing it for them. You're not doing it for him. You're not doing it for me. You're doing it for God. And so it's just important that I know I'm doing what I know is right. I'm trying, I'm trying to be as kind as I possibly can. Some, some people do make it difficult to be nice to them. They, they really do. It, it's like they don't want you to be nice to them. It, it's almost like they get upset if you're nice to them. But does that change who we should be? No, it, it is still our responsibility to be kind, to be forgiving, to be serving. And so are, are we looking for opportunities to serve? Are, are, we, are, we, are we trying to serve others? Again, I say, why do you do what you do? Unfortunately, I, I feel that too often times as Christians, we get trapped in life. And we don't serve with a purpose. There's, we know what's right to do. And, and for the most part, we do what we know is right. But we get caught in the routine of what's right that we forget why we're doing what we're doing or what the goal is that we're trying to achieve. It, it's, it's great that you come to church faithfully, but do you get anything out of church? Well, I was there. You getting something out of church has as much to do with the mindset that you have coming into the service as it does me preparing what God wants me to be preaching. You say, that's not true. How come two people can sit through the exact same message and one of them ends up at the altar in tears and the other one's like, I'm I'm upset with what the pastor said. The pastor didn't say anything different. It just hits you differently because of the mindset, because of what's going on. And so we we need to remember. We, we, we We need to reset ourselves on a regular basis. Is, is job important? Absolutely. Is, is money important? Is a nice house? Is a nice car? Hey, I'm not begrudging anybody any of those things. But if we do it at the sacrifice 
of our children, of our families, of, of our churches, our priorities are wrong. Well, I, I'm just trying to provide for my own. I'm, I'm trying to biblically provide for my own. That's great. But where's the line? What example are we setting for our children? What example are we setting for the other young people around us? Every single person in this room is being watched. From, from the oldest person here, they're, they're looking to see the end of your conversation. Are they going to make it? Are, are they going to finish well? All the way down to the youngest ones in this room. Who's watching the little ones? The old ones. It's, it's the older generation that sees the younger, the younger people. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old. As you guys make right choices and right decisions. As you guys decide, I'm going to read my Bible on my own. As you guys choose right, it encourages them to remain faithful. Because our church has a future. The young people are watching the teenagers, the college age, to see what are their example. And, and they, they mimic the older group of, of young people. The adults are watching the college age, the high schoolers, to see what choices and decisions that you make, to, to see if, if their time and their effort is worth it. And it's always worth it, but it's, it's nice to get some encouragement along the way. It's nice when you invest in something and they actually turn out right. Does it change what I'm doing? Not necessarily. But we want to see you make right choices and right decisions. The young married couples. It's these teenagers, it's these young marrieds that are looking at you saying, what is wrong with them? Why do they have so many kids? What were they thinking? But to see you guys successfully make it through rearing children and have children that actually enjoy coming to church and want to be in church, it gives them hope. It's, it's, it's the parents that have teenage kids that are, that are sitting in church and enjoy being in church and are, and are getting involved in the ministries that help the parents with the young kids saying, what was I doing? What was I thinking? Why do I have so many kids? Are they ever going to... How many times do I have to tell my child to brush their teeth before they do it on their own? One more time. At least one more time. We're all being watched. From the, from the newborn Christian to the ancient Christian. We're all being watched. We are the body of Christ. What if, what if, the body of Christ was you alone. And everybody in the church was made up of you. What kind of church would we have? It, it, it doesn't matter the individual that we pick. It would not be a good church. <laughs> Let me, you can pick the best person in here and it would not be a good church. If we were all exactly alike, it would not be good. But think about that. If I were the church what would the strengths of the church be? What would its weaknesses be? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm not there yet. 
I'm not there. I am transforming myself, trying to transform myself on a daily basis. Until I get to heaven, until I'm in glory with the Lord, and, and I take on my new body, I'm not there. We need to constantly stay away from conforming to the world. It, it, you can't be away from the world completely, because then you're useless. We, we, have, we have to be in this world so that we can reach this world but we can't conform to it. We, we have to constantly be transforming ourselves into something new, into a better creature. Last verse, 2 Corinthians 8, 11 through 12. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Verses 11 and 12, beginning in verse number 11, it says, Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. That is a great verse. That is a great word. What is that saying? Just be willing. God will make up the deficiencies. You're not being rewarded on all of the things that you have. God sees what you don't have. We're not, we're not all working with the same toolbox. Some of us are missing some tools. But God knows the tools that you're working with. And what does he require? A willingness, a willingness, a willingness. If, if we could have, as a church, as a group of people, Lord, let me serve, it would transform our churches. I don't care about the praise. I don't care about the glory. I don't care about the position. I don't care about the leadership. Just let me serve you. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. What's your spirit of service? One, are you serving? Do you have a position of service within Freedom Baptist Church? What are you doing to help this church to continue to grow? You are a part of the body of this church. How are you helping to improve Freedom Baptist Church? Two, what is your spirit behind it? Are you doing it out of a love for God and a willingness to help others? Or are you doing it because you've got an agenda and, and this is what I want to see done? Be an example of the believers. Have a willing heart. Ask the Lord to allow you to serve in some way. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your opportunity to be here in your house, Lord. Where, where would we be without your service to us, Lord? Taking on the, the humility, the, the pain of the cross to die and to pay for our sins to, so that we could one day be in heaven with you the, the example that you set of serving the disciples and serving those around. 
I pray that you'd help us to follow that example. We ask these things in your name. Amen. If you'd stand to your feet with